Listener Production. This episode is brought to you by Bendix Brakes, Denso and Exidy. The Grill, a collaboration with VACC, the Victorian Automotive Chamber of Commerce and powered by Listener. Hello everyone, welcome to The Grill, an auto industry podcast with an Aussie flavour, driven by three people who constantly fight over the wheel. Greg Rust, Shane Jacobson and Jeff Gwillem with you for this edition. Shane, as we welcome you, you're a little bit excited because Coral Taylor is back in a competitive rally seat once again. Mate, good to see you, hope everyone's well. Um, Yeah, I'm excited about that because, so for those that don't know, Harry Bates, son of Neil Bates, um, Australian rally champion and, and terrific bloke. And Coral Taylor was uh, Neil's, you know, co-driver, navigator for forever. Forever. But how amazing. I mean, back then when she was sitting in the passenger seat um, with Neil, could she have imagined, could he have imagined that years later she'd be back in that seat with his son, with, in, in Harry Bates? I think it's fantastic. News only came out, I think, in the last week or so, and I just thought what a what an amazing journey for those two families um, to have. You know, I mean... For lovers of motorsport, can you imagine having two families like that intertwined where, you know, the mothers had a daughter go on to do incredible things um, and, and you know, be a navigator but have her own daughter go on to win an Australian Rally Championship. But she was a navigator for a guy who was Australian Rally Champion who had a son who now has her in his car. <laughs> you know what I mean? You couldn't write that stuff. And, and uh, no, I was, I was thrilled to see it. And there's a good reason she's in that, in that nav seat because she's incredible. She could very well end up winning another Australian Rally Championship in the uh, in the co-driver's seat. She does an amazing job, has been on the board in New South Wales of things like um, the NRMA, has, uh, I think, still got a board position of Motorsport Australia. We should get her on. We haven't actually, I don't think, if memory serves, we've had her on Please. the grill as our feature guest. Why don't we make that happen? Because Coral's got a, a fabulous story. So, sorry to jump in, Rusty. I have been, when I raced in the Australian Rally Championship, I did a few rounds and I did one in Perth. Neil and Coral let me sit in the back of like some old Corolla <laughs> while they did pace notes and he's going around corners and I'm like, when I'm in my actual rally car, I'm not sure I can get around that corner that quick. <laughs> as quick as that. He, he yeah. could drive a shopping trolley quicker than I could drive oh, a McLaren, I reckon. Nice. Was, on, on dirt, the guy's a wizard. Do you return your rental cars in magnificent condition, Jeff, when you're at the airport? Are you, or are you like a Neil Bates? Who... Well, here's a new one. I actually photograph them as well. <laughs> so when I get a, when I go to the airport and get a rental, I put the camera on and I walk around the car with the camera on. Look, this is a child. Something happened in my childhood, obviously. And, uh, and I've never been picked up on anything. Except, of course, whenever I come back from the UK, <laughs> two months later, I always get a fine. What? Which I just think is a fudgy fine from the car rental company. You know, at the airport, you go around the perimeter road. They're tough over there, though, aren't they? They're tough, but I reckon it's a, a stitch up. Yeah. What, what do you get a fine for? What? A speeding fine. Every time I'm there. In the UK? Correct. So you take your hire car back two months later, Jeff, here's your new fine. I'm thinking, you guys stitch me with a fine. Every time I'm here, I think there's something happening here. Well, can I ask you one quick question? Yeah. Were you speeding? <laughs> I don't Because that's, that's a pretty obvious I answer. Know. I mean, I don't think so. I don't, I don't go sort of faster than I think I should. But I, I always I said to my wife once, I said, I reckon there's a bit of a scam going on here because every time I come back, there's a – and if you don't pay them, nothing happens, by the way. If you just, really? If you just ignore them, nothing happens. For an international That's why I fine. think it's a bit – Iffy, you know, when I see them come through. You know what it is, don't you? What? 
it's the Queen and the, uh, the the coronation soon of the King. They're very upset about the fact that Jeff left all those years ago. So when he comes back now and he does a little bit of driving, they send him a speeding fine to remind him of where his heartland was and how he left them. Uh, coming up in this episode, <laughs> highlights of our special VACC President's Supper. It was superb. Recorded live at Albert Park on Grand Prix weekend with some awesome guests. Neil Crompton, voice of supercars, the very funny Anthony Limo-Lehman, who is part of the Southern Cross or listener family here. Uh, we are not worthy, the rest of us. Uh, Hall of Famer Larry Perkins. In the early part of his career, he made it to Formula One. He did the hard yards in Europe, chasing the single-seater dream before returning to race and engineer successfully in supercars. And his involvement around the supercars races at Albert Park is something that the event recognises very closely because of both that Grand Prix and supercars history that he has. So really looking forward to that chat with LP. It's a special GP edition of The Grill, but first it's time for Cop This. This won't make sense to many people, but, but stay with me. Cherry's back. And what I mean by that is there is a Chinese car manufacturer that do a car called the Cherry, spelt C-H-E-R-Y, one R. Now, the only reason this caught my attention is it's coming back into the Australian market. When the Hyundai Excel came out, it was $14,990, wousn't it? Is that right? $13,990, $13,990. Now, here's a little bit of information for you that'll do you no favours at all. But (laughs) when they did that, they said no more to pay, drive away, right? And that was actually an expression coined by the marketing company that looked after it. So before that, no more to pay, drive away um, hadn't existed in the car sales market, right? So that was a Hyundai XL thing because they truly believed that no one would believe that for $13,990, you would get a brand new car and drive away with it. So after that, this company, Cherry, bought a car and I think it was under 13000 That was like 12000 something dollars, right? And we at Top Gear back then said, wow, wow a car for like less than $13,000, how good or how bad could it or would it be? So we contacted them and said, we want to get a car from you. And they said, well, this is not the segment, but they told us to blow it out our tailpipe. <laughs> <laughs> and so we sent a producer with a bag full of cash to a dealership and purchased one. We then had to take it to uh, the, the road authority to get registration for it. And when we got there, they said, that car's not even in our system. You must have purchased the first one. So they had to wait around to input all the data in. It, was just, it just took so long. Anyway, the reason it puts a smile on my face, and I'm like, cop this, is we we drove, we wanted to see if that, that cherry, that car, um, was any good and if it would last. And what we did is over 24 hours... We thrashed that car within an inch of its odometer life, which Jeff would have a photo of in his phone somewhere, <laughs> that we we took it around Eastern Creek and we just drove it nonstop for 24 hours and we tried to emulate a lifetime of wear and tear on a car. So we the car is, I think the car cycle is at seven years still, Jeff, is what an average car's life on the road with a family as a new yeah, car purchase. The the car fleet. Average car fleet in Australia is about 10.2 years. Wow. So uh, although if you ask an analyst, they'll say the average car fleet's 10.2 years old, but most cars last for 15 years. (laughs) Well, we said seven back then. 
but that, but you know, yeah, but we, it was we were cherry. rogues. We were running. Yeah, well, that's right. <laughs> you had to, Depends what you're in. So what we did to see how long this thing would last, and that's why I'm like, I thought we drove it out of Australia, which is why I'm saying, cop this is back. So maybe we should get one and thrash it. So to emulate a, a seven years of wear and tear, what we did is we drove it around the track nonstop to the floor, pinned as fast as we could do it. To emulate a lifetime of a car being backed out of your driveway, I drove the Cherry five laps full noise backwards around Eastern in Creek. In reverse. Yep, in reverse. Uh, the only thing <laughs> the only thing that damaged was my neck. I literally got a cramp in my neck, true story, because I was driving with my head looking over my shoulder. So drove it backwards, pinned. It's Quite a thing. You should try it one day. <laughs> and, um, and then we uh, got 100 school kids. We left the back doors open. And to emulate a lifetime of children getting in and out of the car, we got 100 school kids. We opened both back doors and had them get in one side, get out the other. And I sat in the driver's seat going, have a school, mate. Have a school, love. Have a school, mate. Have a school, love, as all these boys and girls went through. We had cable ramps all the way down pit lane. So when everyone came in to do a driver change, it went do 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 over those. It was the most fun I've ever had on a track because we were just trying to thrash this thing. It didn't get brake fade. It didn't go bang. It didn't stop. And in the end, Amazing. we were worn out because we did 24 hours straight and the car was still running. So, And then after that, I never really paid any attention to it again. But anyway, it's back. Is the moral to the story that the comms department of Cherryback then never knew you were doing this and the first time they found out about it was when it went to air? 100%. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. <laughs> That, that, that is absolutely what happened. But anyway, I was, uh, you know, that, all of that equates to the fact there's now a Cherry Omoda 5 new car that's been revealed for Australian release. So the Cherry's back despite us trying to kill it. Great job. Now, a little footnote for you. Uh, Barry Sheen's best mate, Steve Parrish, up until a few years ago, held the Guinness World Record for driving backwards. Did he? Well, wow. He did. How long was it? I actually don't know. I don't know the number, but, yeah, yield the record. Now, it might have been the highest top speed in reverse. I can't remember. Anyway, yep. There's a quick question for Shane. 2012 Cherry. Yes. Yes. With, with 84,000 on the clock, <laughs> how much? <laughs> I wouldn't give you a donut. It's a 2012 1, Cherry. 1,500. I, I wouldn't trade a steam dim sim for it. <laughs> Five grand. <laughs> what? Five grand? Five grand. Tell him, yeah, he's, tell, him he's dreaming. Dreaming. Yeah. tell him he's dreaming. Tell him he's dreaming. Hang on, I'll, I'll put that straight in. It can't be five. I, here grand. it is. What's in it's, the boot? Gold. <laughs> a little white one is tucked in the front of a dealer by the look of it, and uh, four thousand nine hundred ninety uh, dollars. Five it's grand. Just never. Can't worth believe it. that, can you? No, it's not worth. it. Well, it was only ten new. <laughs> but that's that's it. But you know, well, well, but that speaks volumes about the inflated prices of of used cars. Yeah. That is the. Yep. If anything proves it, it's that. Because <laughs> I reckon you should pay more for a cherry ripe than a cherry car. <laughs> a quick break to talk about Bendix brakes, specifically their General CT brake pads, the perfect braking solution for everyday driving. Bendix General CT brakes utilise stealth advanced technology, offering smoother and quieter braking for more comfortable day-to-day driving. Ceramic technology means that they also deliver improved stopping performance, low dust, low road aware, and enhanced durability. Bendix's blue titanium stripe technology removes the need for bedding in, the noise-absorbing shims reduce vibration, and noise during extreme braking. For the perfect everyday braking solution, ask your mechanic to fit Bendix General CT brake pads, available from all good Bendix stockers. Bendix! Put your foot down with confidence. 
Because we had such a good reaction to our Larry Perkins chat a fortnight ago, we have a second helping for you now. Recorded live at the Australian Grand Prix in front of our VACC members and guests, all as a part of the President's Supper at the Chicane Pavilion just beyond turns one and two, right by the track. Hope you enjoy it. Here's Larry Perkins. On the paddle as we uh, we talk here at the VACC President's Supper, please welcome Anthony Limo Lehman for me. Make some noise in the house, folks. Neil Crompton is back on the desk too, voice of supercars. Come on. Thanks, Truster. Boss of supercars, Jeff Willem is here. <laughs> and we are also delighted to have back the guest of honour. Has been a superstar when it comes to, uh, to supercars competition. Made it to Formula One. He is perfect for this panel. How about it for Larry Perkins? Huh? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go to Crompo first Oops. because you know you're not in trouble. You're not in trouble. This is all. This is all good. What we see here um, at the Australian round of the championship, it is a massively busy world championship. The cars have a huge amount of uh, of new generation tech in them now, but it is fundamentally a small capacity engine punching out very decent numbers, isn't it? Very technical way to get started here, <laughs> Thruster. I was looking forward to some limo games. Oh, okay. but, uh, <laughs> yes, they're amazing. They're the most efficient motor vehicles on the planet at the moment, and it doesn't often get talked about. In fact, only recently did Formula One adopt the hybrid uh, nomenclature on the engine covers on the things to just sort of remind everybody. So if I can just indulge for a moment and, and bore you with some of the detail, they're only 1.6 litres, meaning the swept volume of the area where the little pistons jump up and down in the internal combustion engine, it's 1.6 litres. Lima, how many, how many cc's is that? 300 and... 70, what is it, 375 mil bottle? Sure. Bottle of lemonade. Don't ask me how many standard drinks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, the capacity of the current Formula One car is a bit over four or one of those things, which is not a lot. When you think about the amount of grunt that they make, so they'll churn out 1,000 horsepower. So in the new language, if you don't have grey hair, it's 750-odd kilowatts. So it's pretty amazing how much grunt they've got. And if you stop and think about that and calibrate it against whatever we all drive around in, it's pretty amazing. So roughly 700-odd horsepower of that comes from the internal combustion engine. And then there are two components that contribute to the hybrid performance. One of them is using the turbocharger heat energy to generate more efficient power, effectively a circular power, if you like. And the other is kinetic energy. Larry's better qualified at this stuff than me, but the movement of the car, push the brake pedal, effectively drives a generator, creates electric power, and that adds the rest of the power to the equation. But they start with, now going to the question that Limo asked Larry before about fuel, these cars are fueled up at the start and they run all the way to the end. They're as heavy as lead when they first get going because they've got something like 160 litres of fuel in them. And, uh, but they're incredibly efficient. If you look, you know, I can only put it in terms of calories, but if you look at the, the, the calorific value of what they start with and what they convert it into in energy and what they turn it into in performance is astonishing. So there are four DRS zones around this racetrack this weekend, which means that they can open the rear wings on the car to encourage passing. And they had to knock off the idea of the fourth one last year because they were a bit concerned about all the porpoising that was going on with the cars. But they're talking about achieving anywhere between 330, 340 kilometres an hour in qualifying, and that'll be seen tomorrow afternoon. That's, let me think of the math, 
At 340 k's, you're travelling 95 metres a second. Near enough, 94 and a bit metres a second. So it's just, you think about that in the length of a swimming pool or a footy oval or whatever, and just uh, and the decisions that are being made into the pit straight here. I stood down there this afternoon as a tragic on the inside, just near our um, FOM commentary boxes. The cars are arriving at 325 odd k's. They're putting their foot on the brake at 75 metres. So imagine if you're freckle, your bum's only 25 mil off the road and you're arriving down there at 300 plus kilometres an hour and you don't put your foot on the brake until you get 75 metres from the corner. It's a fair wake-up call. Pretty amazing things. Pretty amazing. And it's great athleticism, you know, the decision-making and what's going on, eye-hand coordination, what the drivers are feeling. And then the good ones, and Larry knows this innately, are able to compartmentalise so that the actual playing of the game is the simple part. They know exactly how to do that. The real art form is then being able to dissect what's going on and call for the changes that you need to be better. And that involves making aerodynamic changes, mechanical engineering changes, drivability changes to engines and all of those things. And so those really good guys, the Max Verstappens of the world, and I saw him this afternoon, their heart rates are low and they're processing what's really going on and they come back and I've seen some of this, I've been witness to it, where they will sit and debrief toilet roll lists of things that they can dissect in corner entry or corner approach, entry, apex, exit and break it down into segments in finite detail and describe exactly what the chassis is doing, exactly what the engine's doing, exactly what the brakes are doing. So it's pretty impressive. But, um, yeah, so I, I, I find the technology and the sheer performance of the cars just quite astonishing. You clearly were captivated by that. How about a nice round of applause? Yeah. What a summary, eh? What a summary. <laughs> to you, LP, does that tech excite you? Are you kind of more old school in flavour in what you like about Formula One or are you as in, intrigued as what, you know, kind of Neil talked about with some of the new gen things that they do? Well, it's certainly interesting. There's no question of that. And um, But to be honest, I, I, I wish we didn't have the electric bit in, in a Formula One car, but um, that'll peeve a few people off. But, um, <laughs> um, you know, it is hard to imagine that, you know, you can have the going full throttle down the straightaway and you're hiving off 5 or 10% of the engine horsepower to recharge your battery. Mm. So you've got 180-odd horsepower. You can deliver extra to your back wheels over less than a second uh, in some cases, it's it's really is quite impressive technology, you know. And then you're harvesting that power when you got the brakes on. The rear brakes aren't a brake. The, the rear brakes are working a DC generator, you know, jamming power into the um, battery again. So all that's all good stuff. But uh, I do miss the sound of the last you know batch of Formula Ones or whatever that was ten years ago. Years ago, yeah. <laughs> One of the things that. Um does my head in and you'll have, uh, and I, I may have run this past some of you here last year, but I think it's always worth thinking about again. One of the crazy things, you know, we spoke about the gear lever in the car before and Larry and I are from the H pattern era of racing cars with gearboxes, but now they're what's described as a semi-automatic shift. So the rules dictate that the driver triggers the change. They're not allowed to be automatic like most of us drive around on the road. They must trigger it with a paddle in behind the steering wheel. But such are the servo electrics and hydraulics that drive the things that they've worked out long ago that what we used to do, which was cycle a clutch pedal and up and down on the gas pedal and shift the gear lever, means you didn't drive the rear wheels. And if you're doing 300 plus kilometres an hour, 
and you don't drive them for half a second, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to work out that you just lost time oh, and yeah. speed. So they've found <laughs> a way around it. So the gear shift in the cars, which they call a seamless shift in these cars now, has to be sufficient for the gear to be and the dogs to be able to engage, disengage, re-engage and get to the next gear for the that you hear going down the straight. Now, they make that change in 25 milliseconds. So let me calibrate what 25 milliseconds is. Dermy, blink for me. Righto. <laughs> so that was 300 milliseconds on average or a third of a second. So it took him 12 times longer to blink than it does to change gear in a Formula One car. For the benefit of our podcast listeners too, how about it? Dermot Brevin, Sam Neill in the house tonight. Um, Sam Newman, rather, in the, in the house. I'll get that right. <laughs> Sam Newman. Put your hands together, folks. I've got to... Sammy, apologies, mate. And, uh, and Sandown 500 winner, no yeah, less. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sandown 500 winner, exactly. Sammy. We'll get to some questions very shortly. Um, Jeff, can I, can I come to you? Because Drive to Survive is uh, off, the, the sport is enjoying an immense period of popularity at the moment. It's, it's been huge. I was part of a, um, a, a pre-event build-up with the Grand Prix Corporation who talked in some of their research about how 30% of the people coming through the turnstiles this weekend would either be first-timers to the event or first-timers to Formula One. It's had a massive impact. This is the second year for VACC at this venue. Why, why come and do this here for you? Look, I think, uh, just to go to the point, the drive to survive, I mean, I, I, Larry and I were talking about it over the break, you know, I sort of started to watch that last year. And I remember it was about 9 o'clock at night and I'm watching one of the episodes. So, David, you know, you told me you're going to watch these, Jeff. And I just got sort of hooked on it because it told a story that most people have never seen before. It had emotion. You could see where the drivers, their, you know, their turmoil was with their teams. And I thought it was just open the, the F1 world to a whole range of people, uh, men, women, kids, people that were sort of mildly interested but actually got to look inside it. I think it's had a profound effect. I mean, the fact that the Grand Prix sold out, you know, I think it was a day... 450,000 over the four days. That, 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 yep. And every seat was sold. And so something, something's happened. You know, we had COVID, but we came through that. We did have a Grand Prix last year, so it's not as if it's the first one out of COVID. I think that series and the, the profound depth that it was able to go to actually just connected a whole lot of people to a world that they couldn't see. It's been fantastic. It's an event on so many levels, from the, the music and the entertainment around it, the support category offering. Crompo is here, of course, calling this weekend the, uh, the new era for supercars, round two of the championship for those guys. I know you, Limo, would love the thought of a return of the celebrity race, would you not? <laughs> well, I was lucky enough to race twice in 2011. Uh, we were in the Lexus hybrids, uh, and it was not impressive off the grid, the <laughs> Lexus hybrid. Cars have been running around here all day making all sorts of noise. People have got their earplugs in. And then we sit on the grid and we take off in a hybrid. Made zero noise up to the, the first quarter. So it wasn't a particularly impressive uh, way to get yourself around this track. But that was, uh, I think, Sav Rocker won in 2011. And then in 2013, I did it again. We are in Mazda 6s. And Mark Scaife was training us that year. Did you get a bollocking? <laughs> Oh, we, that was, that's actually an appropriate sound effect for what yeah. happened <laughs> with the Mazda 6s. We absolutely tore those cars to pieces and Scafey was furious. Scott McGregor from Neighbours T-boned me on turn 11, so that was the end of my car. But I reckon we had about six cars finish that thing without a scratch on them. And uh, Brad Hodge uh, won that year. In the, in the celebrity race. But it was, uh, it, was, it was good fun. I came about 13th, if you're curious. 
Hodgie. Behind a couple of weather presenters. Hodgie's a proper petrol head too. He, he loves it. Oh, he, 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 he goes, right. It. But my, the most fun I had though is in 2014, I was working on the project and I got a call from a producer of the project, who's actually now my wife, but she rang me and she said, hey, do you want to go in the Minardi two-seater with David Coulthard and do some hot laps and we'll do a story for the project? And I said, absolutely. And she said, there's just one condition. You have to be 90 kilos or lighter, right? And I was 100 kilos at the time, right? And I said, yep, no worries, I'm all good. Now, it was 10 days away, right? And I thought, I can do this. <laughs> I can do this, right? So I made it a thing. I was doing breakfast radio. I made it a thing on radio. I rang Shannon Ponton from The Biggest Loser, right? So he was my guide. <laughs> Shannon Ponton sent me a diet, which was basically water, celery and prayers. <laughs> and, and he sent me an exercise routine as well. And he said, you can lose four kilos in a day if you have to. So we only have to lose six. I said, how do you lose four kilos in a day? He said, you don't eat, you don't drink, you take a laxative. I said, all right, I'm in. <laughs> we got to the day, the day, it was a Thursday morning here. I weighed myself in at breakfast radio and I was 90 kilos, right? Yeah. I lost 10 kilos in 10 days, right? And I came and I was a ghost, right? Because I hadn't eaten in 24 hours or had a drink for that matter. I felt faint. I didn't feel well, I was a bit wonky. I came through the track, I met my cameraman. We walked through, I put the suit on, met David Coulthard, that was exciting. Jumped in the car and they didn't weigh me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> 10 days of pain. And then I got in the car and because I had no, I had no strength, right? He took off, what's that thing called in front of your head? In the a headrest between the driver and you. Yes, about, right. Yeah, yeah. Every, how many turns on this track? 14. Oh, 14, 16, 16 right? back then. 16. 16 times three. What's that? 48. <laughs> 48 times going into a turn, I went bang and hit my head on that thing. <laughs> and I went, right, I better not do that again. Bang, okay, I'm not going to do bang, okay, I better not do that again. I, bang. 48 times I smashed my head into that thing. But he did three laps and the middle lap, interestingly, it was a nice Thursday morning. <laughs> The time we clocked on that middle lap would have put a seventh on the grid on the Sunday. Yeah. Wow. wow. But the qualifying on the Saturday, was, it was pissing rain. So that was, we were cheating it slightly, but we hit some good speeds going around there. It was good fun. All right. So how much bad food did you eat straight? Did you have the world's biggest <laughs> burger? You know I went straight to Mario's in Fitzroy. Yeah. Two yeah. massive bowls of pasta. I bought a packet of Alan's party mix and inhaled it in about two seconds. <laughs> Looking for reliability? Switch to Denso, and you'll understand why their products outperform anything else in the industry, from ignition coils to engine management sensors, AC components and alternators, filters to fuel pumps, and much more. Plus, cutting-edge spark plug technology that makes Denso plugs sought after worldwide, built to last the distance and keep you on our roads longer, thanks to the industry-leading testing facilities that they have right here in Australia. At your next service, be sure to ask for Denso, or you can find your part at denso.com.au. We want to get to your questions. Before we do, can, can we finish on a funny yarn with you uh, in a condensed way if we can? You have done the celebrity race too as a, as a trainer, yeah. but also in the passenger seat with none other than Dame Edna. Yes. That's well, <laughs> and, you, and you were more or less forced to do that, weren't you? Or, I was. Or... So in 1993, 
I was driving for the GIO team in, in was called Touring Cars back then. Larry remembers the era. Uh, a fellow called Bob Forbes owned the car. But they decided that they didn't want to run in Adelaide and I was a Holden driver together with LP and a couple of other guys and they said, oh, now that you're free, can you manage the celebrity race for us? Uh, yeah, sure. And a good friend of ours who just recently passed away was the guy that was coordinating it from Holden PR. So, And the whole idea was that um, it was an all-girl line-up in 1993 and they had a token bloke who was Clive James, who was fabulous. Yeah. And uh, but Dame Edna was classified as one of the <laughs> girls. So I thought, oh, this is going to be interesting. So they flew me to Adelaide earlier so that I could train Dame Edna. So there's a couple of oddities <laughs> in this. So first of all, midweek, she is not Dame Edna. He is Barry Humphreys. So when you spend midweek time with Barry... It's Barry, who's very theatrical and but doesn't drive cars. So that's a little bit of a problem when you're going to do a celebrity race because he ends up in hire cars everywhere. So uh, we were to train at Adelaide Raceway and I went and picked him up at the Hyatt Hotel in Adelaide and he said, look, I'm not going to worry about all that. Let's just go and have something to eat. So they'd done a picnic basket for us. So we ended up next to the Adelaide Zoo eating out of a picnic basket instead of training at AIR, <laughs> talking about his life and times as Dame Edna, which was fantastic one-man audience, yeah. but useless for trying to learn how to drive a car. <laughs> so anyway, uh, because CAMS, the then authority that's licensing people, ultimately has to make a sign-off decision on them getting a licence to race, we had all the others there and they're all ultra-competitive like this bloke was and they're all crashing into each other. She, he, was friggin' hopeless. Just... <laughs> Couldn't drive out of sight in a wet night. And then they said, will you sign the licence? And I went, oh, it's a bit of a battle because, you know, Barry's really not able to drive. Can't change gear, doesn't know where he's like. Tried to drive up all the escape roads and then you had to do a U-turn to go back. And uh, So they said, OK, well, are you going to sign the licence? I said, oh, look, in all honesty, I don't think it's probably the right thing to do. And then, of course, the Adelaide Grand Prix organisers went ballistic because you can imagine Holden went ballistic. You can imagine how much money they spent on this thing. So um, anyway, they said, you'll have to go with him. So they bolted me in the friggin' passenger seat and I'll go to my grave thinking about this. So where Limo's sitting at the moment is where now Dame Edna is sitting in an all-pink race suit with an open-face helmet with diamantes and horn-rimmed glasses. <laughs> hello, possums, hello, and, possums. And, 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 and a fierce five o'clock shadow. <laughs> and we're on the last row of the grid. And off we go. We only get a couple of corners into this thing and uh, down comes the driver's window and he reaches round the back and he starts tossing gladioli out the window. <laughs> and I can't do the voice, but I'll have a go. Hello, possums! <laughs> Every corner. Followed by a couple of very ordinary laps and now the leaders are arriving for us to arrive on the pit straight right in front of then Ferrari and McLaren with the gun Formula One teams. Ayrton Senna, no less, and Ron Dennis are standing on the pit wall. And the dame, who tries to shift from second to third and wrong slots and grabs first, <laughs> flat on the throttle. So we're in Holden Calibras. And it goes... <laughs> in first gear. And then she turns to me and goes... Help me, help me, help me. 
fully out of character. Fully out of character. So I'm like, shit, who are you? Is it a boy or a girl? So we yank her into neutral and we try and push the clutch pedal down and away we go. But we had a fabulous time. He was, he was a fabulous character to spend time with. And, uh, yeah, I'll never forget it. But, uh, and then in the press conference, um, I said, who was the bloke with you? And she said, oh, that was uh, little Neil Crompton and, uh, you know, we've got a f- wonderful relationship and it's, it, it's nothing at the moment but I think it could blossom into something <laughs> special. So, uh, yeah. Put your hands no, anyway, together. What about that for a yarn, folks? Great yarn. He's a great guy. Time is going to beat us. Elise is here with a microphone. We'd love to embrace the audience with Larry up here on the um, on the panel as well for a couple of quick questions if we can. So raise your hand and we'll come straight to you. Just tell us who you are and maybe what uh, VACC um, a member you are, we, what, what your business is and so on and, and away we go. Hi, Larry. I'm, a, actually, I'm actually a lawyer but that doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, it's great to hear from you, Larry. You've driven everything that there is to be driven but from a technical perspective, what's the difference between driving a supercar and a Formula One car, at least in your day? Well, well the biggest difference is the, the uh, velocity, you know, the acceleration of a Formula One car is so superior to a V8 but, you know, that's – and the braking distance is so short. You know, V8s still brake here at, you know, let's say 200 metres where a Formula 1 car for the same speed will brake at, you know, 60 or 70 metres. So an enormous difference there. You know, the V8s uh, have, got, have got a bit more um, technical as well. You know, you don't use the clutch when you change the pedal. Everything's – you hold the throttle just flat and just keep rowing along. You don't worry about using the clutch. You crunch it through. But it's all designed that you actually don't crunch it through. It just – it's worked out that the gear changes are, I think they're about 35, 40 milliseconds in a V8. That's how long it takes, yeah. But um, so there's, there's still not a lot of difference at the end of the day. Uh, you've just got to get used to what you got. And uh, once you're used to a V8 or once you're used to a Formula One, they, they, they feel the same. You're on the limit and, you know, don't hang it on the fence. We've got another question from the floor. Make oh, some noise, folks. Russell. Russell, Russell Stuckey too, Larry. by the way. How about a nice round of applause? Come on. Yeah, awesome. You've had a very colourful career. When you came back to Australia to race touring cars with another very colourful character, Captain Peter Jansen. Well done. <laughs> well done. What was his nickname for you? Next question. On the podium. <laughs> <laughs> well, Russ might know what it is, though. Do you know what it is, you Russ? It is? Come on, Russell. You, you... I mean, to go a different direction, you may not want to answer it. I mean, it was a crazy bloke too. I mean, they were throwing cherry ripes out the windows. and Didn't he change his... In order to get a sponsor name across the top of the windshield, didn't he change his name to NGK or something? What did he do? I can't remember now. He did. Well, that's what he told Cams and Cams believed it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, see, we had stupid rules back then. You couldn't have advertising on the windscreen and he, he had NGK spark plugs. And so, yeah, he just got NGK Jansen, went to the home, got his old typewriter out that's 100 years old, grabbed a sheet of paper from his mate, the Buta- uh, King of Bhutan, which he used to rave on about, typed away a letter and showed me, what's that look like? Yeah, it looks pretty good. Give it to Cams. And he was then NGK Jansen. <laughs> so um, no, he was a, definitely a character. He's a good lad uh, and he's still a good lad. I get on well with him. and um, But uh, he, he was a really a... The first of a privateer in the, in this sense in in our racing in V8 racing brought a bit of colour to it and so on. Yeah, some great when, stories. When Larry paired up with him the first time at Bathurst, he finished third, which was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah I, I enjoyed good success with him. We had uh, a third, then two seconds, and um, 
Uh, yeah, because he was focused on uh, earning the money to try to pay for racing, which was always a challenge in, in anyone's world. But, uh, you know, I, I often always wondered how the hell he could drive because he lived on gin and tonics and, um, <laughs> and never seemed to sleep. But he, he, was, he never made mistakes behind the wheel, so he, he knew what to do about concentration. Uh, Tony from Bendex here. And, Larry, you won six Bathursts. Which was the best and why? Well, everyone, look, when you've got the luxury of having six wins to pick from um, and then you've got to play which one's the best, well, they're all pretty good. But uh, the one was the Holden engine where everyone else in Holden said, you're all running on Holden and uh, you can get stuffed if you don't. Well, I took the this, this get stuffed option and ran my Holden engine and won. And run, so that felt pretty good and stuck it up with other teams. And... Um, but the, but the next one, 95, we, when I got a flat tyre on the very first, before I got to the first corner, I had a flat front tyre from uh, an incident with Lounsey. And, um, yeah, when you trattle around that first lap and you're way behind, you've got to remember don't you know, wreck the car. Many a driver we see wrecks the car by going too fast on a flat tyre and, you know, rips the suspension off. So we yeah, paid attention to that. And uh, then we just knew you had to do every lap at the maximum. There was none of this driving around on nine-tenths or any of that crap, you know. So, uh, and then as the day got on, sometimes you were quite lonely out there because we were a long, a long way behind and you thought, I said to me, is anyone else in the bloody race? You can't see him, you know. <laughs> but anyway, we slowly clawed our lap back and, um, yeah, it got really uh, quite interesting. The last four or five laps we got there and, and the guy ahead of me, Glenn Seaton, his donk engine blew up and... You know, people say, well, you know, it's just bad luck. Well, I said, well, no, our, our valve rings didn't break. It was preparation. So, uh, and we finished here. That was a pretty good feeling, I might add. Yeah. Great work. Elise. Time for one more. I think Shreko. Shreko, did you put your hand up earlier? All right, we've got one over here. I'm Alistair from Denzel. We're one of the sponsors of VACC. Um, I've just got a quick question for Larry there. Um, you've obviously... Not a very distinguished racing career, but um, I'm kind of interested to know, have you ever had a race where you've been at an absolute abject failure but had a lot of satisfaction from it? Is there anything that stands out that's uh, different from those wins? When, when you, let's say, lead in a race and for some reason you crash it, that certainly doesn't make you very happy. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> No, but there's, there's, the opposite to that question is uh, when, when you've had uh, most satisfaction and uh, it was the next Bathurst 97, I'm running second behind Wayne Gardner and he's after about 80 laps halfway through, he's about 200 yards ahead of me and I went, he went around that forest elbow and I, I didn't quite see him but I, I smelled a bit of smoke and I saw the flag man jump for the flag, I thought, so I backed right off and he had blown his donk and I got through the oil First car is always the one that's going to crash. So I got through the oil. I look in the mirror and the next ten cars, maybe Neil as well, are all stuck in the fence. So I thought I earned me bloody uh, stripes by that assessment. You know, you, ha- you have to be on the ball all the time. Yeah, great story, Larry. That was my car. <laughs> yeah, love those stories. <laughs> uh, folks, time is going to beat us here. Would you please do me a favour and put your hands together for our panel here. How about it for Larry Perkins? <laughs> to Jeff Willem, my good mate Neil Crompton and Limo, folks. Keep that applause going. Come on. 
Having supplied more than 300 million clutch kits to OE clients, Exidy has earned a reputation for trust, respect and quality. All Exidy OEM replacement kits include high-quality cover assemblies, clutch discs and release bearings and are manufactured to strict specifications for fitment, longevity and noise suppression. When you choose to fit OEM replacement kit from Exidy's extensive range, you'll enjoy the same loyalty that they demonstrate to OE clients around the globe. Find out more at exidy.com.au. That is it for this edition of the show. We hope you enjoyed it. A special thanks, big thanks to Neil Crompton, Limo and especially Larry Perkins for being such good sports and not only entertaining our venue guests but for allowing us to record and share parts of that conversation uh, at the VACC President's Supper right here on the grill. Next month, normal service resumes, as normal as it can be for us anyway, uh, with VFAX and more. For Shane, Jeff and all the team, we'll catch you next time everybody. Bye for now. See you on the road, folks. This episode was brought to you by Bendix Brakes, Denso and Exidy. The Grill, a collaboration with VACC, the Victorian Automotive Chamber of Commerce and powered by Listener. Listener.